Welcome to Because and Effect, a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation, where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives. My name is Nolan Bicknell. Dana Spiring knows how compelling Winnipeg is when it comes to business opportunities, tourism, and leisure activities. As the president and CEO of Economic Development Winnipeg, Inc., Dana knows what it takes to be a great city. She also knows that there's a lot to be excited about in the city, not only for the tourists that are visiting, but for the people living here as well. Just think about even the whiteout parties that happened from a few years ago. Dana is an avid volunteer and devotes much of her time to make Winnipeg a better place. She's currently the vice chair of the Winnipeg Football Club's board of directors and was the first ever woman to serve on the CFL's board of governors. I want people to remember me as someone who um, wasn't afraid to, to challenge ideas, who wasn't afraid to stick her nose in things that may not be her business and uh, and shake it up. And I, I want to leave the city better than, than what I found it. I sat down with Dana Spiring to talk about what makes a city thrive, the evolution of Winnipeg, and the importance of breathing more life into the core of our city. Because Winnipeg has so much potential, we owe it to ourselves and our neighbors and future generations to make it the best it can be. Thank you for joining us on the Because and Effect podcast. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. Thanks. It's exciting. Um, economic development Winnipeg. There's a lot going on from what I've been reading and seeing yeah. everywhere. But for those who haven't heard of the organization and sort of the umbrella of what you guys all encompass, yeah. just give me kind of the breakdown of what everything economic development Winnipeg does and is. Sure. Economic development is, is a big umbrella. So there's a lot of moving parts underneath that umbrella. And, and I can tell you, I joined uh, just over three years ago. And before joining, I had no idea what economic development Winnipeg did or what it was all about. So uh, we're really there to be the city's leading voice for pushing the economy forward. And we do that through our business community. We do that through connecting businesses with governments or, or attracting new businesses into the city. And we do that through tourism. So tourism Winnipeg is also a component of what we do. So really, you know, our, our job is to make it easy to, to for businesses to grow in our economy. Um, our, our job is to sell the Winnipeg advantage and tell businesses why they may want to be here. Uh, our job is to attract talent and, and help some of the, the businesses that we work with to get the key talent that they need. And, and one of the, the hurdles that a lot of businesses have is, why Winnipeg? And, and you know, we're, we're attracting talent from all over the globe. We've, we've had people, we had someone from Finland that's uh, going to be coming in in a week um, that we've been working with a company on. Uh, others that were luring from the United States, from Brazil, from uh, all, over, all over Europe. So, you know, we have to sell Winnipeg and, and that's part of our job is to really put our best foot forward and do that. There's a lot of moving parts because there's a lot of different industries you're trying yeah. to attract. So yeah. how do you kind of balance things or what are you focused on right now and what do you normal, normally focus on? You know what, we have we have three different areas within our umbrella of economic development Winnipeg. So one area is our market intelligence team and their job is to go and figure out what are the key industry sectors in Winnipeg? What are the biggest drivers of economic growth in our city? What are our competitive advantages? So we have the third largest aerospace uh, industry in the country. Wow. Most people don't know that. Mm -hmm. We don't play though in avionics. So uh, so the people that are doing avionics, that's mostly in Montreal. We don't play there. But we need to understand what our competitive advantage is. And that, that helps us focus our efforts. So, you know, we know that we're good at engine testing. We have cold weather engine testing. We have a big engine testing facility at the airport, which is spectacular if you haven't seen it. And it's one of those things where when we're going to go try to attract companies, we're not going to go to an avionics company. We're going to go to an engine company or okay. we're going to go and, and, and focus our efforts to make sure that we have the biggest impact that we can. 
So that's our market intelligence group. They do the data. They're kind of the geeks that, you know, figure yeah. out what we're supposed to know and, and help us articulate that Winnipeg advantage. And then we have our Yes Winnipeg team. And yes, Winnipeg was started by the private sector years ago. Um, it was really the private sector saying, hey, we're ready to put our money where our mouth is. We think you guys are doing a lousy job of selling this city to the world. So go go and do it better. Go and tell us how many jobs you can create, how much capital investment you can create, and go and be the sales force for the city of Winnipeg to the business community. So we have that group. And, and in addition to being that sales force, they're also here to help companies in Winnipeg that are having issues. So if companies want to expand, they may have permitting issues. If companies need talent, you know, they, they may not know where to go. Um, companies may be able to apply for tax credits to increase their manufacturing capabilities or what have you. We can connect all those dots, and that's our Yes Winnipeg team. Cool. Third team, final team, um, is our Tourism Winnipeg team. And, and their, their primary role is to attract meetings and conventions to the city of Winnipeg, along with special events. Those are the biggest drivers of our economy um, you know, in, in the tourism space, and, and they do it exceptionally well. They're also very good at trying to attract special events, great cop, heritage classic, FIFA, you know, all the stuff that gets us excited. Um, and they're also great at, at highlighting the attractions in Winnipeg, highlighting the restaurants, highlighting the cultural activities that we have. And, and that helps us on both attracting tourists, but also on attracting business mm -hmm. and talent because that's a big part of where you live and where you work. Yeah, where you work, you want to be able to have fun too, right, obviously. Right, you yeah. want the lifestyle. We're not going to attract people to work in Winnipeg from California or Silicon Valley or, or Brazil you know, if we don't have professional sports and we don't have world-class restaurants and we don't have theater and ballet and symphony. and you know, We are this, this spectacular mid-sized city where you can get everything you get in the big city, but you get quality of life and you get affordability and you get travel times to work that are less than 20 minutes you know that's Huge. that's the secret sauce do you think it's harder because you have to make the sale in potentially minus 30 or is that does that ever come up when you're kind of talking to people or? every day yeah I guess eh? uh, but you know what we're, we're trying to we're trying to play that I mean I think that's a huge advantage well the river trail for one it, yeah, it, like, it's world class so and, and you want to come and experience winter where better to do it you know you're guaranteed winter in Winnipeg yeah. right you want to go to Calgary you might have a Chinook you want to go out east who knows what's going to happen you want to you want to feel winter you want to be tough enough to do that Come to this city and we'll show you how it's done. Yeah, I agree. I've been playing hockey for 25, 30 years yeah. almost. So that is, a, it's not a detriment. It's a selling point. When I can go outside any night of the week and go for a skate, like yeah. that's a good, and there's a rink almost on every, well, not every corner, but, but you know, lots, right? Yeah, community yeah. centers and everything is yeah. just so great. What are some other, like you mentioned a, a little bit of a list there, but what's one thing that you really think that Winnipeg has going for it right now that you can, that you, is such a unique opportunity for people who want to come here? Um, well, our, our attractions are great. I mean, the Museum of Human Rights is mm -hmm. world class, and it's. I, I was just had the opportunity to visit the Mandela exhibit again uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and I was blown away again by just how spectacular that is. So, so we have those big attractions. You know, we have Journey to Churchill, we have Assiniboine Park, we have uh, the the Art Gallery, and and you know when the Inuit Art Center is is up and running, it's going to be even more spectacular. But I think part of our our secret sauce and what we're selling right now is the foodie scene. Mm. We have got world-class restaurants and we have got some really fun stuff happening in that foodie uh, community. Um, we're also, you know, we're selling festivals. This is festival season and the folk festival is coming up and, you know, we'll have Fringe Festival that will follow on that. We just had Jazz Festival. You know, we have an incredible festival scene for people that, you know, want to come and experience that. And we don't always get enough credit for that. So, so that's another thing that we're, 
were selling. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Have you been connected with Winnipeg your whole career, or have you moved to different cities? And stuff? You know what? I was born in Brandon, oh, so cool, I was yeah. born uh, about two and a half hours I'm out of Winnipeg. from Russell, so I've been... Okay, you know exactly where I was. Frequently yeah. to Brandon, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I moved to Winnipeg when I was 12. Cool. Um, and, and then really have been here ever since. I, I worked... Um, for the provincial government for a little while, went to law school here, practiced at Aikens, uh, and then worked at the Canadian Wheat Board. And uh, my job, I, I was chief strategy officer at the Canadian Wheat Board ultimately, and my job was to privatize it and sell it. So, you know, I traveled the world uh, uh, selling that and, and talking about, cool. you know, the grain industry and, and what uh, a big stronghold Western Canada has in that space worldwide. So, how did you end up in this role <laughs> then? Because this is such a unique opportunity. It's, totally like it's a cool job because you get to learn. Like you probably know a little bit about every single yeah. aspect of Winnipeg. I know enough to be cool. dangerous well, on every single That's aspect of Winnipeg. Right? Yeah. Like jack of all trades. Yeah. So how did you end up in this role? Did you want to go in this direction for a while or what? had no idea that I would ever be in this space ever. Um, I Like I said, I was, I was a lawyer. I, I was trained as a lawyer. I practiced corporate commercial and securities law. Uh, went to the Wheat Board as a lawyer, did their corporate uh, finance work. And, and at the time, the Wheat Board was the biggest borrower in the country. So not in the country, but in Manitoba for sure. You know, they were borrowing two or three billion dollars a year because they had to pay farmers before they ultimately got paid by customers for grain. So there was great That's legal gigantic. work. Yeah, it's huge. It's Holy. huge. And, and they were guaranteed by the government of Canada. So they had a great credit rating. So, you know, you, you kind of held all the cards and, and it was, it was a fun place to do that kind of legal work as things kind of transpired. And, and the former uh, conservative government federally, you know, one of their election promises was they want to get rid of the monopoly. They want the wheat board gone. Hmm. So when Stephen Harper got a majority, the second day after that happened, wow. he announced we want to get rid of the Canadian Wheat Board. Hmm. So the Wheat Board had a choice. You know, we had the choice of whether to, to shut the lights and, and be move on or, you know, adapt it and sell it and make it a private enterprise. And and I, I don't like to uh, shut the lights out on anything. So, you know, we, we really had a team of people that evolved this business and we started buying elevators and we started buying boats and we started buying railways. And then we, we created this business that was, you know, valued at about 150 million on July 1st, 2012 or August 1st, 2012, sorry. And we sold it for 550 million on July 31st, 2015. Wow. So yeah, it was, yeah, but it was like playing the Super Bowl from, from my perspective, it was the greatest professional Mm. experience, you know, I think I will ever have. I, 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 we, You'd just we be sold. thrown into the fire yeah. at that point, and, right? And to like, do things that were so incredibly different. I mean, I learned how to build a grain elevator. I, I stood on, <laughs> I stood on the concrete as they were pouring it. You know, I, Crazy. I was in rural Saskatchewan buying grain elevators and buying railways, and we were in China building boats. And ultimately, we sold the wheat board to a, a conglomerate of the Saudi government and Bungie, which is a, a multinational company out of uh, based in White Plains, New York. So. It was incredible. It was the greatest thing I, I thought I would ever do. Yeah. I knew as chief strategy officer when we sold the wheat board, you know, my role was really done. Right, I guess. So then it was like kind of like, now what? now what? Yeah. Um, and I thought I would do boards. I, I'm currently chair of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'm on the CFL Board of Governors. I'm on the board of Winpac. Uh, previously, I was, I was on the board of Manitoba Hydro. So I, I thought maybe maybe that would be enough for me. I would, I would do board work and I would still, you know, keep my brain working and, and give back a little bit. Um, and I tried that for about four months and I thought I was going to kill somebody because mm-hmm. uh, I still had fire in my belly right. and I still had something that I thought I could contribute and something that I wanted to still say. Drive something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I wasn't ready to, uh, 
to kind of fade off into the sunset. And uh, actually, Margaret Redmond, who um, is the head of Assiniboine Park, okay. um, she's actually on the board of economic development, and, and she started her career at the Wheat Board. So a lot of similarities there. But I had talked to her about this position because she was on the board at, at EDW at the time. And, and, and she said, you know, Dana, you can make this what you want. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, want, you have this passion for Winnipeg. You want to go in and raise our profile and raise our game. What better place to go do it? Where and you're uniquely equipped because of the, the experience. Yeah, that point, I right? think yeah. so. I think so. For but sure. I think, you know, it's, it's always an evolution, right? You're going to have someone that comes in that has got their own take on something and they'll, they'll drive a, an organization in the direction that they want. And, and then when they're done, you know, someone else will come in with another direction and hopefully that evolution continues to move the company forward. But, you know, I, I've, got a, I've got a unique skill set and the, the person that comes after me, I'm sure will as well. So... Talk about evolution of Winnipeg itself as well. You've been here since you were 12. <laughs> yeah. How has that sort of economic landscape grown, changed throughout the years? Yeah, let's seen, talk yeah. about it when we lost the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what did Winnipeg look like then? I mean, when I was in university, um, a lot of people were, were looking elsewhere to find jobs. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg was not uh, an exciting place to be. You know, there was a couple industries that were probably doing okay, but it wasn't... People it wasn't a west. sexy place yeah. to be. Yeah. You were going to Calgary. You were going to Vancouver. Toronto was that kind of gold star. You know, I had law school classmates of mine that, you know, did Toronto and did Calgary and did Vancouver. And um, I, uh, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. Well, it's bit. a little I mean, bit, it's it's like not depressing necessarily, but it's kind of like, huh, you know, you, you're, you don't have, if people are leaving in droves. We've got a problem. It's a little bit tough. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, there, there were great opportunities and, and I frankly think I, I, lucked into great opportunities. I mean, I worked for the biggest law firm in the city and, and got to see great work. So I, I had a great experience. But the fact that the default was not to stay here and the fact that the sexy, you know, attractive stuff was seen to be elsewhere um, was, a, was a problem. And, and I think, you know, you look at how we've evolved and you look at how this city is growing. I mean, you look at the Forks, and that's our number one tourist attraction in the province, right? We have more than a million people there every year. And, and you look at what that community is, right? And, and you go down there. I, I remember I was down there in December, and my husband and I, we were going to MTC to go see a play. Went to the Common um, for dinner beforehand. It's 5.30 on a Friday night. It's minus two degrees. There is tens of thousands of people skating on the river trail, skating on the little ice skating rink outside the common, you know, parents in the common with lugging a toboggan with a glass of wine in their hand and kids <laughs> running around. You think you could be in any major city in North America, but you're in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. right? And I was so proud at that moment to think, look how far we've come. Especially with the context of being at, like, cause we used to come to the Winnipeg for field trips back in the day Yeah, and we'd go to the I forks too. and I would be like, hmm, yeah, this, sucks. Yeah, this is yeah. not really, why are we here? <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Uh-huh. And now you go, now that's anyone that comes into the city from out of town, friends of mine or whatever, we're going down to the forks. We're sure. Going, there's so many things to do now. And, and you look at that skyline, right? You, you start with your friends that if your friends fly into town, you, you look at our airport, our airport is world-class. It is beautiful. It is, you know, a very welcoming place to be. And it's very manageable. You know, you look at the Museum for Human Rights, you look at Assiniboine Park, you look at the building that's happening at the at the art gallery, you look at Investors Group Field, you look at True North Square, you look at Bell MTS Place. I mean, this is the last 20 years in this right. city, right? That's a great point. It's huge. That's a great point. And we, we have to continue investing because I believe that, you know, we get too comfortable and we mm-hmm. think, oh, it's okay and everything's fine. Sure, it's fine. Yeah, it's good now. But 
it, it's good now. Yeah. But if you go into neutral, don't kid yourself, you're in reverse. We've got mm. to continue with the investments. We've got to continue, you know, propelling ourselves forward. And that's part of the, the reason why we co-hosted the Whiteout Street Parties. I mean, people ask me, you know, are, were you a huge hockey fan? Is that why, is that why you were, you know, pushing these whiteout street parties. I'm a hockey fan. We have season tickets. It's all great. But I did that not because I care about hockey. I did that because I care about Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And I did that because during the playoffs, if you lived in New York City and you watched a hockey game, you saw images of Winnipeg. You saw thousands of people in a cosmopolitan looking downtown cheering for their team in a safe and respectable way. And, and, you know, for everybody who thinks that Winnipeg is in the middle of nowhere and it's cold and the mosquitoes are the size of small birds, you know, come look at this, look at these images because it gives you a different perspective. And, and I can tell you that after those first, the first year of whiteout street parties, so a year ago, uh, when we would go and try to attract meetings or conventions or events, groups that would never talk to us before were asking like, so, so what was that like? Like what happened in Winnipeg? How did that happen? And, uh, and, and that's our secret sauce, right? Yeah. So, so that's, you know, that's part of the, the things that we need to do to build our community up. What, then what's something that we don't yet have that you think we need to, to get us to even in the next level? Wow. Um, there's a couple things that we need. We need a convention center hotel. So mm. when we're attracting big meetings and conventions to come to Winnipeg, there is no hotel that is right beside our convention center that's Connected. big enough yeah. to accommodate. The Delta is right there and it, it does a good job. It's not big enough. Mm. So we've got this expanded convention center. We can hold conferences of, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people, but we need places for them to stay. And right now, when those conferences come to Winnipeg, they have to put their delegates in five hotels. That doesn't work well. Um, and, and we don't have a, a big named hotel where people can collect points and do all that kind of stuff because, frankly, that's a driver for some of these associations. So, so we need that. We've got to figure that out. Um, we have too many surface parking lots in downtown. I, I was, uh, we had a, a photographer that did some work for us, and he, he went up on top of the Grain Exchange building and shot towards the forks and, and had a beautiful picture of, of the museum. And, and my staff said, oh, isn't this a great picture? And the only thing that I could see is gravel parking lot, gravel parking lot, gravel parking lot, and thought, oh my gosh, no, this is not cool. So, so we know there's a plan for development at the forks. There's, there's that rail side plan that will stretch all the way to the ballpark. Um, I'm very vested in, in kickstarting that. I think uh, there's, there's great potential there. I think we want to have people living and working and playing in that area because when you have people there 24-7, it just comes alive. And, and one of the, um, one of the, the cities that, that the Forks plan was, was designed after was Oslo, Norway. And I had the ability to be in Oslo actually last week for a board meeting and to see what their waterfront looks like. Now, granted, it's very different. They're on the ocean, not on a river. But they have these mixed-use buildings, kind of like our common, but they also have residential buildings where the main floor are restaurants and, and office buildings where the main floor may be um, coffee shops or, or stores or different things, but it's alive, and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a very cool There's place to be. Around, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that we're getting there. I mean, we're on the cusp of that. So, so my... Uh, my goal is to kind of kick that a little bit further and, and get some of that development happening. There's And you can feel a movement too with people who are driving less, biking more, walking yeah. more, and yeah. wanting to live and work in the same vicinity. So how do you kind of... Uh convince others who maybe are comfortable in the burbs and, and yeah. have sort of a bit of an old school mentality that this is the way we're going like how, how is that messaging um it's tough yeah. it's tough and, and it depends on what audience you're trying to you know 
cater to. Yeah. I, I, one of my biggest frustrations continues to be the fact that we didn't open up Portage in Maine. It's, it's shocking to me and it's, um, you know, and this is why I'll never be in politics because I don't <laughs> think that people should have got to have that vote. If you live in Transcona yeah. and you don't come downtown, you don't get yeah. to vote on whether or not people get to walk across the street. It was a street. weird situation. It was ridiculous. Sure. And, okay. and it was, the, you know, I can point fingers at a whole bunch of places all day. <laughs> I haven't given up on that yet, by the way. But, um, but I think... I think those types of things, you know, we have to we have to do a better job of telling people what the economic impact of some mm. of those decisions are. You know, we had private sector companies that were ready to spend tens of millions of dollars on that corner. Tim Hortons wanted to move up to do a two-story Tim Hortons. You know, we have restaurants that want to go and, and they don't want to go when they've got to butt up against concrete barricades. Yeah. And so th- there's an economic equation that I don't think Winnipegers understood. I think think we, yeah. yeah, And we tried to to put it out there, but you know, clearly Mm -hmm. collectively we did a lousy job of doing that. And so those are the types of things, you know, we've got to start talking about. I, my goal is not to get everybody to move out of the suburbs and come downtown. I mean, I, I, frankly, I grew up in the suburbs and it was great. And I think there's a place for all that, but I think there's a, uh, we need to get people comfortable with coming downtown for a while. And, and part of that was also, uh, you know, one of the drivers at the whiteouts, so many people that didn't walk the streets and didn't come downtown and didn't see all the development that's happening. You know, we gave them a, a really good excuse to come down and check it out. And, and I think people were pleasantly surprised and, you know, the restaurants that we have and the, the activities that there are to do, it's it's pretty it's pretty spectacular. There's been a lot of growth in what well, we just talked about the growth in the last 10, 20 yeah. years. So if, True North if Square you, is another one we haven't talked about yet. So but. if your notion, if your preconceived notion is based on something from a decade or two ago, of course, it's going to be vastly different. And yeah. you're going to be surprised about what what's kind of happening. Yeah. Yeah. So and we've got to get some of those people that moved away after university to come back and take another look. And, and one of our um, one of the programs we have is is called Bring Them Home. And so we're doing a talent attraction program so that we have a lot of companies that are looking for spectacular talent in, in very specialized areas. And one of the things that we want to do is partner with, you know, the University of Manitoba, the University of Winnipeg to say, you have databases of your graduates mm. that decided to go elsewhere. Let me pitch to them about why they should think about coming home. And right. they may be, you know, in their 30s now wanting to start a family, wanting wanting affordability, wanting a cottage along with their house. And a very good friend of mine is at Wawanisa and um, he was in law school with me. He moved away, went to London, England and worked at a big law firm there, ended up in Calgary, found this great job in, in Winnipeg at Wawanisa and uh, was able to, you know, sell his house in Calgary buy a great house in Winnipeg and a great cottage on the lake. And, and you think, wow, like that, that's Quality lifestyle. Life, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. And he's so happy to be back. So sure. he's going to be in the videos. He just doesn't know it yet. That's great. Yeah. I, I love the, uh, the Google mm. f- complete video yeah. that I just saw that when I was kind of looking you up okay. in last week and very smart, very clever and very interesting too. You learn a lot about Winnipeg that yeah. you don't know. Yeah. How, how important is just educating people? Like, is that number one on your kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mix, right? Because you've got to kind of get people's attention before they want to be educated. Right. You know, we've got to kind of do something splashy and then let me tell you what all the, all the details the are. So, bolts, yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know if you saw the Amazon video we did yep. with Abicon. Yep. I mean, that was part of um, just getting Winnipeg on a radar screen, being a little bit quirky and being a little bit different to say, there's something here that you should pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, and if we can bring people here, our ability to sell them on this city and our ability to show them um, you know, what all the hype is about is so easy to do. We yeah. just need to get them here. Yeah, once you open the door, yeah. once you see what's inside, it's like, holy cow, I yeah. had no idea that yeah. that was like that. Yeah. What do you do when you're not working for fun <laughs> in Winnipeg, when you're just a regular old Winnipegger? Oh, 
um, you know, I, I'm trying to kind of broaden my horizons a little bit. So I, I love to, you know, go for walks, go for runs down Wellington Crescent and, and get to the park and, and do all that kind of stuff. I love the restaurant scene. So I, I you know, Scott Bagshaw has got three spectacular restaurants that uh, that I like to go to. And a couple of them are, are within walking distance for me. So that's that's great. Um you know, I, I'm trying to, to get out more and see some of the things that I haven't seen. So last year, I, I spent some time at the Fringe Festival. Honestly, I, I'd never really engaged in it. It was always downtown. It was when I was the Wheatboard, it was right out in front. I may have done an afternoon show or I may have done something, but I didn't really go and, like dive and experience in. Yeah. it. Yeah. So so trying to do a little bit of that. Uh, I have a great marketing team at our office and... and um, they are young and hip got and their fingers on the pulse. They've got their fingers on everything. So, so I try to, you know, get a little information off of them and, and try to, uh, to go and experience things I haven't done. Who coming, you have, you've had a crazy career. Who's someone along the lines that, uh, has been a mentor to you and, and what sort of lessons have they passed along? Well, you know, I, I would say that there's so many and, and, and I think, you know, often we, we think of that term mentorship as, as the one person that, that kind of, you know, holds your hand all the way through the experience. And, and I don't think that that's really how, how the world works. I've had so many people that have uh, encouraged me and, and lifted me up. I mean, when I was um, at Aikens, I, I worked with David Philman and, you know, one of the top lawyers in the city for sure. Um, and I was able to learn a lot and, and he was, you know, supporting me as I wanted to go and kind of spread my wings and figure out what that looked like. When I got to the Weep Board, we, we joked that we had the greatest little law firm in the whole city of Winnipeg. There was three of us, uh, Jim McClandris, who now works at the WAA at the airport, and Maggie Weeb, who's now Chief Justice of the Provincial Court of Manitoba. And, um, and, and both of them were, you know, huge um, influences in my career and, and so um, supportive and so encouraging and so challenging so that, you know, you got to do things that were way out of your comfort zone. But I also talk about, you know, Margaret Redmond. I mean, she was, she was at the wheat board before me and I, I kind of followed her path somewhat indirectly, but, um, but there are a lot of people in Winnipeg that, that want to raise you up and, uh, and you got to look for those opportunities. I mean, David Asper, um, is the one who approached me to be on the bombers board. I said, David, like, you know, that's, that's great, but I don't know a whole lot about football. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I go, I like it, but, but I don't know who should play quarterback. Right. And he said, Dana, we don't need you to tell us who to play, who's going to play quarterback. We got a whole bunch of people that their job is to figure out who should play quarterback. We need you to run this business. We need you to guide, you know, the business side of football and how to engage with the city of Winnipeg and how to do some of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so those are those people that say, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I think you can hold your own. I want you on, on my team. And, and that's the kind of thing that, that I think Winnipeg does really well. Because everybody knows everybody. It's a weird... Oh, yeah, you're, it's, you're it's a pretty, one phone call away, usually. It's pretty unique yeah. in that respect. Yeah. Is is that part of the story to tell? Or do you want people to find that out once they get here? No, it's it's. I tell that story all the time. Mm -hmm. Because when we're bringing companies to Winnipeg... So Ubisoft is one of the ones that... I'm a big gamer, so okay, I'm, I'm so well you're, aware. You're a, yeah. yeah, you're a fan. Um, I, I played Assassin's Creed for the first time when I was at their studios in Montreal and I sucked, but, but it was That's a lot okay. of fun and, and I got to see, you know, the work that goes into these billion dollar games, Hundreds which I, people I had no idea years. they were billion dollar games, yeah. but that said, we were, we were bringing Ubisoft here and, and we, um, we encouraged them to come. We, uh, one of our people in our Yes Winnipeg team actually made a cold call to Ubisoft and said, Hey, uh, you know, we understand that you guys might be expanding and you know, you're, you're growing and have you ever thought about Winnipeg? That's where it started. Wow. And, and, you know, it was a, a years long process to finally get them here. But when we brought them here, 
you know, part of the story that we wanted to show them is this business community is unique. So when I have CEOs of companies come to Winnipeg or when I have senior executives who are really looking at does Winnipeg make sense, you know, the fact that I can call on other CEOs in Winnipeg and they will drop what they're doing and come to a dinner or come to a boardroom and say, I'll tell you my Winnipeg story. I mean, Paul Subri is one of those great champions of the cities at New Flyer, um, CEO of the year, all these kinds of great things. But he gives of his time to say, hey, let me tell you. Let me tell you about this city. Why let me tell works. you why this works. Let me tell you what we're doing. And, and you know, and, and he's, there's so many people like that in this town, which is, is part of our secret sauce, right? Mm-hmm. And that connectivity, you know, we compete for sure. And, and businesses compete all day long. But there's also this element of cooperation where we're pretty proud when the people that we know are shooting the lights out, you know, worldwide. Yeah. It's kind of a rising tide lifts all boats, For right? Sure. And everyone kind of realizes that here. For sure. It's not like a cutthroat kind of a New York City or something yeah. that's more hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you think the best way for a younger person coming through the system or a young lawyer or a young person to learn is to just get thrown to the fire? It seems like that's the way <laughs> you have uh, been tempered a little It's bit. a stressful way to learn. Right. No, you know what? I, I think... Um, I'm not sure that I've ever been fully qualified for any job I've ever had when I started. Um, I, I think if you don't have a few sleepless nights and you don't sit back and say, what am I doing? Um, you're probably not stretching as far as you can. What's the trick to convincing yourself that you're capable of doing that though? Cause that's the main fear is like, I can't do this job. Like I'm not qualified yeah. for this. You know, I, 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 I think it's it, you, you have to have belief in, in what you can do and you, you've got to have a little bit of mojo to say, I got this, you know, it may take me a little bit of time and I may stumble and I may falter, but, but I got this. Right. And, and it's also, you know, having a, a support system of people that you can call and say, Hey, I'm going through this right now. Can you, can you give me some, you know, expertise or, or what have you? And, and that's, you know, that's what Winnipeg is great at. Have you ever done anything similar to this? And if so, what didn't work? You know, like yeah. learning from others' mistakes is Yeah, it's never valuable. quite that articulate when you phone someone though. You're like, oh, Help. smokes, I've got, <laughs> you got to hear what happened. And I don't really know how to do this. So, I mean, that, that happens all the time. And I think, uh, I think most CEOs, if they tell you it's never happened to them, they're lying or they're lousy at their job. <laughs> Interesting. So what do Winnipeggers have to look forward to in the next one, two, five, ten years? One, two, five, ten. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, Manitoba's 150th is next year. So the, the 150th anniversary of the province is next year. There's going to be some great things that are happening, and, and there's probably going to be some great concerts and some other neat things which, uh, which people are going to get to, to celebrate and take advantage of. Um, we're going to go and, and uh, try to get some, some great events, and we're going to try to get some more things like FIFA and you know, Heritage Classic and Grey Cup. We've got to get some of those events that, that raise people up and, and get people excited. Um, you know, I, I hope that we're celebrating a Grey Cup championship in, come November, and, and I'm okay to celebrate a Stanley Cup championship uh, in the spring after that if, if the stars align. So, Can you imagine the parties? Oh. Like we party hard even when they just make the playoffs or <laughs> even when we're just in the split. I know, yeah, it's I know. crazy to think about. And I think, you know, the Bombers have started out pretty well this season and, and I, I really think we're due. So this is my first year um, chairing the Bombers. It is the first time a woman has ever chaired the Winnipeg Football Club. Very cool. So it, it's maybe a, you know, a change in tide and maybe it's going to bring a little bit of good luck uh, to these guys because we've been without a Grey Cup for far too long. What's been the most interesting or challenging or surprising part of that in that role? Wow. I, I, you know, I, I, 
the most um, challenging and, or, or intimidating part was probably walking into my first uh, governor's meeting with the CFL. And you see guys that you've watched on TV for years. So John Huffnagel sitting across from me. Wally Buono's over here. You know, there's there's a bunch of owners from the MLS and um, the Calgary Flames organization and different things. And I'm sitting there, one, the youngest person in the room by far, and the only female in the room. And you know that everyone's looking at you going, what is she doing here? Um, so that was, uh, you know, that's been the most intimidating part. Sure. To say they were all spectacular and they were all great. Um, and, and I think part of it is just getting over our own baggage, Internal, right? Yeah, yeah it, it's me who's the one who's thinking, hey, there's only one person that looks different than than all these guys. But um, but they were great. And, and uh, you know, I, I think I'm uh, stretching their, uh, you know, misconceptions or, or what they think are, is going on. I think I'm challenging them a little bit on that front and, and I'm learning a lot about football. That's necessary too. I mean, that's the sporting in gen, sporting world in general has been traditionally male dominated, obviously. 100%. So it's a, it's a pretty yeah. cool thing to see you kind of breaking barriers. Yeah. Down. yeah that's yeah. awesome. At the end of our time together, I have been asking every guest, uh, seven quick questions. Okay. I don't want you to think about it too much. Okay. I mean, give it some thought, okay. uh, but just answer quickly and uh, we'll just go from there. Are you okay to do that? Absolutely. We yeah. call it just because. So here okay. we go. Question one, what's the first, very first cause you actually remember caring about? I would say it was world vision, being able to see the commercials. And, and as a kid, you know, you, you grow up and you watch the, this commercial of, of these children in Africa or Ethiopia or wherever they were um, filming that, that didn't have food and didn't have uh, homes and I, I remember being very little thinking that just doesn't seem right yeah it gives you perspective totally. on what you have yeah. like yeah. what we're given what, what would you say is your cause that you most support right now um, well I, I'm on the board of the Cancer Care Foundation of Manitoba so so that's one that's that's close to my heart and I think you know there are people I think all of us have, have been touched by cancer in some way so that's one that um, I, I'm very passionate about the research and the work that is happening in Winnipeg in, you know, in the fields of cancer is world-class. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had a, a group of scientists here, um, at the beginning of June, uh, and they were from Mayo Clinic from, uh, all over, you know, Australia, New Zealand, the United States, who were all working on the rarest forms of pediatric cancers and they're making progress. And, and to me, that is, uh, it's exciting. It's energizing. It's it, it gives you hope. So that that's that's really uh, very very important to me. And the other things now is is really just excellence. I mean, we've got to celebrate excellence in this city. We've got to promote it. We've got to encourage people to strive for it. Um, and so whether that's the Inuit Art Gallery that will be world class, whether it's Diversity Gardens in Assiniboine Park that will be world class, whether it's things like the Mandela exhibit at the at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. I mean, those are all just snippets of what we're able to do when we come together as a community to do it. Winnipeg kind of has a, um, I don't know what the condition would be called, but we never really celebrate ourselves as world-class. You know, we're always yeah. kind of like humble, maybe that's problem. Yeah. And it's okay to sometimes be like, look at all the amazing things that are happening here by Winnipeggers or people moving to Winnipeg. Yeah. And that story, I don't think has been part of our culture for a long time. And, yeah. it's, and it needs to be. I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, we, we are humble and we are kind of those quiet, oh, you know, self-deprecating kind, of yeah. kind of things. But, but part of, you know, I think one of the biggest parts of my job is to start telling those stories. Mm -hmm. You know, Jerry Price, Price Industries, massive company, um, global company. They do HVAC systems. Steve Jobs handpicked Price Industries to do the HVAC at the Apple campus in Cupertino, California. Wow. 
how how we don't know that story now there was a little bit of a non-disclosure agreement and you know, right. I may not supposed to be talking about it either, but but those are the types of stories that we need to hear about. This mm-hmm. is the stuff that's happening out of this town, yeah. and um, and and so that I think is a, is a big part of our job at Economic Development Winnipeg to to start making us aware of some of those yeah, stories. Start letting people know, yeah. hey, we are a world caliber yeah. city. Like, yeah, let's celebrate. Yeah, for sure. Question number two: If money, politics, and logistics were no issue at all, you could just snap your fingers yeah. and do anything. What's the first thing you would do in support of your cause? Well, I, you know. My, my biggest cause right now is city building, right? And and that is totally dependent on money, politics, and everything that you said in that question. So, um, yeah, I, I you know, for me, all those things have to come into play and we have to find ways to manage all of that. And So many balls that are being yeah, juggled in yeah. there, right? And I, you know, money and politics are, are um, and logistics, I mean, the logistics part, I think, is easy and everyone can get over that. The money in politics is, is a little bit more complicated, but but we're finding ways to get through that and we're finding ways to, to do what we need to do. And, and uh, you know, when you have great ideas and when you have passion, money comes. Mm-hmm. So what what does Winnipeg need to do when it comes to city building? Do we just need to make more dense in the downtown or what's the kind of general hope for well, the Well, I, I think years? we have to make sure that we have the right plan in place mm-hmm. to, to, to build where we need to build and build world-class. I, 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 you know, I, I've been challenging uh, our planning department, the city to say, you know, this is a great plan. And what did you base this off of? And, and is this best in the world? Because I'd like to see best in the world. When it comes to design yeah, and everything. The right? whole thing. Yeah. And, and if we can't afford best in the world, I may be able to settle for second or third best. Mm-hmm. But show me the best. And, and then let's ratchet down from there based on what we can actually mm-hmm. afford. So, so that's really what I'm, what I'm trying to push. Um, you know, we've got this, this rail side plan at the Forks. It's world class. It's spectacular. We just need to get some of those things over the finish line. So we're, we're working on that right now. And I think you'll see uh, progress there in the, in the relatively short term. Uh, and we've got to go get world class events because when you get world class events, the, the eyes of the world turn on your city. Mm-hmm. And, that's, uh, and that's a great way to promote ourselves and it's a great way to get better. Absolutely. Uh, what's the biggest misunderstanding or stigma about about that particular cause? Well, the Winnipeg cause is cold and mosquitoes. I mean, those are the two things that we hear every day, all day. Um, and if you've been in Winnipeg the last two summers, you'd be hard-pressed to find mosquitoes. Sure, there are potholes and whatever else, but every city has those. Is it cold? Yeah, it's cold. In January, it's cold. But in July, it's pretty beautiful today. Yeah. I, I, you know, and, and we've got to... We've got to figure that out. And so. it's not inhabitable. Like it's, it's if you bundle up, you're good. You know, it's in Norway, w- actually, interestingly, last week, there was a sign that said, there is no such thing as bad weather. There is only bad clothing. Bad preparation. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. I may steal that. So don't, uh, no, don't credit Norway with that. No worries. I think I know the answer to this, but how do you know when it's time to throw in the towel? You don't. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I've been, we're going to have to rephrase this for season two of the podcast, yeah. but how do you pivot when a when a plan isn't working? Yeah, well, I, I think you've got to be very um, judicious in in how you look at a situation and how you look at a plan. And at some point, you know, if, if the plan is not working the way you want it or your strategy is not working, then your strategy is bad. So how do you figure out how to adapt that strategy? And I think it's just it's constant vigilance to say, am I doing the right thing for the right reasons? And as long as you can say that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons, you keep going down that path. But if someone shows you another, another avenue that may be more beneficial or may be better or may be, you know, something that, that's going to propel the city forward more, you got to pivot. And, and I think sometimes we don't pivot because we've got ego involved, right? And, and you got you to gotta park that every once in a while and you got to figure out, are you doing the right thing for the right reasons? And if you are, 
shoot the puck. Yeah, staying objective yeah. and not not letting your own sort of ideas of what needs to happen get in the way. Yeah, yeah it makes yeah. sense. Question five: What's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Mm. Wow. I mean, yeah, there's so many. You know, if some was just some is the the most basic stuff. Just keep your chin up. You know, when it's bad, keep your chin up. Um, when I was at the grain, when I was at the wheat board and, and in the grain industry, I was the only woman in the room most of the time. And and I would go and meet with farmers. And I remember this farmer. I, I went out to uh, to just outside of rural Alberta. And part of the executive at the wheat board, part of the program was that they would all go out and combine with farmers. And so you'd go get in the combine with these guys and they'd tell you what's keeping them up at night and what they need and all this kind of stuff. And, and I remember getting out of the car and this farmer who's, you know, older white guy, um, gives me the total once over and says, you, you work at the wheat board? Like, I don't think he's seen a, you know, a woman in a while, <laughs> maybe family members. Yeah. And, and the guy that was sitting with me goes, Dana, you know what? You can be offended or you can just leverage it and ride it. And, uh, and, and I kind of laughed and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We'll figure this out. So, I mean, you, you, you got to just kind of take things as they come and, and chin up is maybe one of, the, one of the best advice I've ever got. Was there a person who gave you that advice or um, just many moments where you've Many moments. To, yeah. And whether they use those words or not, that's how I kind of yeah. took it is, you know, get over yourself, chin up. I like it. Uh, what advice would you give to your 10-year-old self if you could talk to her right now? Uh, you know, I, I, my 10-year-old self, I would have said the stuff that happens when you're in junior high and high school and the kids that aren't very nice to you and the kids that think that they're cooler than you, it will be so inconsequential when you start your career that it will not matter. Um, I would tell my 10-year-old self to, uh, to stretch to stretch your, what you think is possible, to stretch your limits, to, to uh, believe that you can achieve you know, whatever you choose to achieve because there are so many opportunities out there if you, if you really stretch and, and reach for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been struggling with this pretty frequently of we ask people what they want to be when they grow up. And how do you know? As opposed to how do you want to like help the world or what do you want to contribute to the world? You know, I think we need to reframe that question a little bit to the, to our youth. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's, and I, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong and and just old fashioned in some ways, but when I look at all of the opportunities that young people have now, you know, to be a video game designer, to be a, a video game player that that they're making money. yeah. Yeah. You know, to do animation, to do, advanced manufacturing, to create robots, to do, you know, sp- um, composite manufacturing of, of military equipment. I mean, the, the, the choices are so broad. And, and I remember growing up and, you know, it was like, do you want to be a teacher? Do you want to be a doctor? Do you want to be a lawyer? But, but now it, it's so broad. And, and to say to a, a kid in, in junior high, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, that's got to be the most daunting question in the world. I, I decided when I was 12 years old that I wanted to be a lawyer. I watched a movie called Class Action, uh, and it was a movie with Gene Hackman and Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, and, and it was a father-daughter. Um, she had the ability to beat her dad in a court case, and she was beautiful, and she was smart, and she was ballsy, and she was classy, and, and I decided then and there that I wanted to be a lawyer. 
for all of the wrong reasons, <laughs> but, but I put my head down and that's what I did. Right. And it, and it worked out and, and you know, it all, it all kind of got me to the right place. A lawyer's legal education is, is a great foundation for whatever you want to do, but I never wanted to be in a courtroom. I, I, that, that's the part of the law I hated, but, but somehow it worked. And, and I think, you know, people aren't that lucky and it doesn't always work that easily. And so, yeah, we do have to ask better questions. Yeah. But just take opportunities as they come. Yeah. You know, like be open and see, to And ideas. seize them, right? Like if, yeah. if you have a, a, a good foundation, whether it's, you know, a university education or a college education or whatever it is, you know, think about ways you can leverage that because, because the world is your oyster. I mean, there are so many things out there. Last question. What do you want to be remembered for? Shaking things up a bit. I want to, uh, I want people to remember me as someone who... Um, wasn't afraid to to challenge ideas. Who wasn't afraid to, um, you know, stick her nose in things that may not be her business and uh, and, and shake it up. And I, I want to leave the city better than than what I found it. Has there has there ever been anything that was offered to your your organization or to Winnipeg that you were like, this is weird or crazy or anything? Like, any stories that are like, well, one one of the, the things that we struggled with is is when cannabis became legal and. and you know, one of the things that, that we looked at and, and our job is to sell the city and get as many tourists as we can. And, and you know, we have a, a big campaign that goes down to the University of North Dakota for their spring break because you have to be 18 in Winnipeg to drink versus 21 in North Dakota. Um, and one of the questions we had is, is, should we be selling that? Should we be selling booze and drugs to university students? Um, we chose not to. And, and that was probably more my conscience in some ways then a little bit yeah and, and I, I you know and I still am mixed on that because mm -hmm. I, I I'm I don't want to be a prude I don't want to say that you know we're holier than thou because we're not but I I'm not sure that um that focusing a campaign to university students to come in and uh drink and uh use cannabis is is what I want to be remembered for that's very interesting yeah no I think you're going to be remembered for shaking things up though, <laughs> you know regardless of all the roles we'll that see you've had we'll and, see Hey, so far so good from, mm -hmm. from what I'm seeing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and t telling us about Winnipeg. And it, I am even more jacked about this city now Fantastic. that I'm talking to you. So Fantastic. thanks for being on the podcast. Happy to do it. Thank you. Thank you again to Dana Spiring from Economic Development Winnipeg. Love talking to her about Winnipeg and about just kind of what makes a good city in general. I think uh, Winnipeg gets kind of undersold a lot of the time from people who uh, either haven't been here or haven't been here in a while. So uh, if you haven't been to Winnipeg, come on down. There's lots to see and do uh, in all four seasons. So can't say enough good things about Dana and enough good things about Winnipeg itself. If you'd like to learn more about Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Foundation has a weekly radio show called Because Radio. And you can hear the latest episodes, mostly centered around Winnipeg and the people making it better, at becauseradio.org. All the music on the Because NFX podcast was composed and produced by Trenton Burton. You can find more of his music at trentonburton.com. Special thank you to Robert Zirk, Sonny Promolo, and Jeremy Morantz, the three uh, amigos for helping me uh, with production assistance on the podcast. This thing wouldn't be able to happen without you guys, so very appreciative of your time and effort. You can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching at WPGFDN. And you can follow my account at Nolan Bicknell on Instagram and Twitter as well. Because An Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off, and remember... We travel the world in search of what we need, but we return home to find it. Thanks. Bye-bye.